the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 10th chapter. Now, as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he entered a certain village. There, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There's need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you so much for the gracious reception, Pastor Dan, also to Pastor Keith for the invitation. As Pastor was saying, I've been here, I've been a guest among you many times teaching in the Sunday school. I have a few witnesses here, familiar faces, right, Bill? <laughs> uh, always an honor, but so gracious to invite me to share the, the proclamation, the Word of God with you this morning. So, let us pray. We give you thanks, dear Lord, uh, because you are the ones who bring us together. You are the one who gather us in this place. You are the one who are always reaching out and inviting people to come to you. And you take care of us in many ways. We ask you that you give us a new understanding of the scripture, of the stories told to us. We ask that you open our eyes and minds. And also that we ask that this word of yours find its right place inside each one of us in hearts and minds. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I'm sorry for Pastor Diane. The third time you have to listen to the same sermon. I've been tempted to change it just for you. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> no pressure, right? No. <laughs> so... One common saying goes like this, talk is cheap, right? I mean, I'm sure you have used it sometime yourself. We often feel that we are surrounded by such cheap talk, right? By saying that, we do not deny the power of words in daily life. On the contrary, we want to stress how important 
It is what we say and how we say it. After all, words have both constructive and destructive power on us. So, we have to be mindful how we speak and what we say and to whom. Words, even in ordinary discourse, convey meaning, messages. They carry messages. Words are dressed in symbols. Words are used to paint images, pictures for us, to express feelings and emotions. If we are able to understand each other at all in our communications, it is because the words that we use have the capacity to convey shared experiences. The ones that we get through training, education, culture, social values, or even intuition. Words make it possible for us to hear one another, to hear each other, to talk to one another. Much has been said about the meaning given to words, like words change meaning through time, or we add meaning to all words. Much has been said about the logic and the structure and content of languages, right? You may or may not know that I have done a lot of translation, also for the ELCA, and translation is, is really hard to do. And I'm not saying this so that you can say, wow, you're a translator. No, it's just that translating idioms, translating cultural values or views, translating idiomatic expressions from one language to another. In my case, I've done it from Spanish to English, from English to Spanish. It's really hard to do because something is always lost in translation. So we have to be mindful about what we say and what people hear us saying. In any case, the average person may feel at times bombarded on all sides by too many words, by too many messages, through myriad views, opinions, a lot of noise. Just think of mass media, right? Too many words in any one period of time, 24-7, as we say, like a crossfire of worldviews and opinions. People expressing, denouncing, announcing, conveying their messages to us from all directions, a lot of chatter, a lot of noise. That's a common experience nowadays. For decades now, it has been argued that we are deeply entrenched in something called the culture wars. What we say and how we say it and to whom we say it and what we could possibly mean by what we say becomes source of many discussions, arguments, misunderstandings, accusations, 
attacks, condemnations. I'll stop there. <laughs> you get the point, right? You name it. What is it that we hear constantly through all the media? People fight each other, whether it is over important matters or insignificant ones, no matter what, whether the message is social or legal, religious or otherwise, or politics. People are always fighting, attacking, denouncing, judging one another using words in good or bad or even worst ways. At times, we may get so fed up by the noise, by the misuse of words, that we do not want to listen to anyone any longer. You probably know the feeling. See, the times of Jesus' life we're probably not that different from our own time. Granted, okay, they didn't have the TV or the radio or the internet or maybe or the newspapers for that matter. But there was a lot of noise. There were many messages and messengers and preachers. Jesus wasn't the only one. It was a time of deep conflict. The Jews were divided among themselves in many groups, disrupting groups, each claiming to have the right interpretation of the Scripture, each claiming to have the correct message and pious living. All groups are struggling for prominence to be heard by the population. Jesus as you know, engage a ministry of proclamation, of public preaching. He was often seen teaching, visiting people, praying for healing, and preaching about the upcoming rule of God in people's life. He became the preacher of the reign of God in daily life, the new gracious rule of God for people. So he was one among others. That said, there was something unique. There was something different about Jesus. His words stood above the chatter, above the noise of the time. We are told that Jesus taught with authority and with public or visible signs that were not like those of other teachers of the Scripture. That's just to start with. In Luke's Gospel, after carrying his public activity in remote towns and villages, Jesus begins his journey towards Jerusalem. Jesus was from Nazareth in Galilee. Remember what happened in the Gospel of John when Nathaniel was told, he's this man, he's different, 
He comes from Nazareth. Remember Nathaniel's reaction? Does anything good come out of Nazareth? See, Jesus came from, as we would say today, from nowhere, from a remote area, unheard of. But now, getting to Jerusalem from those remote areas and bringing his message to the metropolis was his goal. On his way there, he preaches a new message, a new word from God, a message of repentance and salvation, of forgiveness and conversion. In brief, a message of faith and trust in God, an invitation to become a disciple of the kingdom of God, an invitation to follow Jesus himself. People notice him. There was something different here. During his public ministry, Jesus also did the unexpected. Again, differently. What am I talking about? He was often seen eating at the table with people considered particularly sinful at the time. For instance, he was often seen, and this is the testimony of the Gospels, you can read it there, he was often seen eating with what? Tax collectors, because they were for Rome. People hated them. He was seen sharing at the table with prostitutes, the very poor, sick, homeless, including those with contagious diseases, the people who were pushed out of society. I mean, literally, pushed out, sent to another place so that no one came into contact with them. But those are the very people with whom Jesus was seen many times, and again, even sharing the table, a meal. Again, something not seen before in that way. At times, and you may say at first, so what? But at times, he was found also uh, speaking to women in public. At least at the time, that was unheard of. He was seen teaching women about the Scriptures, the ways of God's merciful activity, calling them to faith in God. It was something unseen and unheard at the time. So was the society of Jesus' time. That for people who saw him, they got scandalized by his actions, by his words, by his deeds. Now, in the story for today, we have Jesus visiting two women 
at their home. See? See what's going on here? Not just in public, at their home. Martha, one of them, is probably surprised that Jesus is actually there, that He came in, in her home. Probably happy about it, yes, but also anxious to be a good host. This is a different experience for Martha. Again, something unique and unheard of. Naturally, Martha wants to do the right thing by Jesus. She wants to serve Jesus well, a good host. And Jesus does what is natural to Him as well. He proclaims the Word of God. He teaches the Scripture. He explains the Word. He shares a new light, a new interpretation. Again, He speaks about the rule of God in daily life, about the new era that was starting right there with Him. And we also have Mary, Martha's sister, who cannot miss a word of what Jesus is saying. This is possibly an opportunity for Mary that she may have been waiting for, an opportunity that has not been given to her before, by anyone to be taught in this way better than anything she has ever known before, a unique opportunity. And we might think the same goes for Martha, a unique opportunity. But Martha, unlike Mary, seems to justify herself in the fact that she has to fulfill her role as host. Now, can, can we blame Martha? I mean, honestly, that was what, what was expected of her, to be a, ghost, a, a good host, to serve, or as we might say, to be in the kitchen right there, or doing the cleaning. So she was doing what was expected of her, we know that there is nothing wrong, really, with Martha's activity or attitude. Jesus himself, remember, had encouraged people to serve. Jesus himself had said that he didn't come to be served, but to serve others. We ourselves, I'm sure, like to say that it is better to serve than to be served. And I think that's sound advice. I have given that advice to others and to myself as well. So nothing wrong with that. We are invited to serve others. And yet, at least this time, Martha is missing the point. She's now upset because her sister Mary is not helping out. 
because Mary is not doing what she was supposed to be doing, right? And Martha now wants Jesus to say something to Mary. She wants to use Jesus. She wants Jesus to admonish Mary, to rebuke Mary. Because Mary is not keeping herself busy or helpful as Martha knows how to do, or as Martha herself is doing. What is Jesus' answer to that? What is Jesus' response to Martha? Basically, that Martha has left herself being caught up by worldly anxieties, consumed by daily concerns. Martha is caught up in activity, in having to do more and more, but it's never enough. Does it sound familiar? Isn't that also our experience uh, many times? Like what we do is never enough, that we have to do more every day, 24-7. A pastor friend of mine likes to say that we are often, his quote, crippled by our worries, crippled by our anxieties. I think that is true. Look at Martha. Look at us. Now Jesus talks to Martha and proclaims to her and to each one of us. This is not just about Martha. It is for me and for you that only one thing is really needed to listen to the Word of God. Actually, to pay attention to Jesus Himself, to take the time to stop on our heels, so to say, and to sit and listen and learn from Jesus. Or, as we like to say, first things first, right? And Jesus is first. According to Jesus, Mary has chosen the better part. Martha is missing the best by attending to what is second or secondary. Martha is engaged in what takes from one's life, not on what gives life. And the one who gives life True life is Jesus, Jesus, the living Word, the one who St. Paul's later calls living Lord and living Spirit. He is the one who bestows true life on us if we just listen to His words. I believe that the message from the gospel is clear. It is consistent with Jesus' teaching in the whole of the gospel of Luke and in the other gospels alike. Last week, if you remember, 
the parable of the Good Samaritan? Last week we learned about being actively engaged in caring for others. Last week we learned about going out of ourselves and for the other. We learned to be neighbor to those in need. Today, we are giving, given a different and yet related way of being engaged. This time is about actively pursuing the occasion to listen to Jesus' words, to listen to the gospel, the one thing that will never be taken away once it is given to, you, to us. Who's that? Jesus himself. No one and nothing can take Jesus away from us. He's the gift. He's the messenger and the message. And no one and nothing can detach or separate us from Jesus' love, whether in this life or in eternity. Amen.